0: Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christa of Saturdays. Today is Saturday, July 13th, 2013. As my friend um, Tony Gonyard just reminded me, this is July 13th. And today we are going to be doing we are going to be addressing just that. Today and possibly next week and the following week. We are going to be addressing. Joseph November's latest diatribe, entitled, Shills Are Us. And he named that appropriately, because a shill he is indeed. So July is an appropriate month to do this, without
1: a
2: doubt.
0: Back in uh, March, and and I don't like doing this. I I don't want to make my ministry and my work about me and about what I do, it's supposed to be about Christ and about what he's done. It's supposed to be about our scriptures and our history, which is what I really like to cover, and, and a truthful perspective on our history, which is what I think that my forte is, which is what I think that I do best, both that and reconciling scripture and history. That's where I would rather spend my time. That's where I am comfortable. That's where I've been comfortable for a long time. That's what I did for my entire 12 years in prison. That's what I've done ever since. That's what I'd really like to be doing. That's what's most productive. But every once in a while, I have to stop and I have to address my critics. I feel that that is part of my obligation because of what I do. Because Christogenia.org is, and I'm not bragging, I'm just stating a fact, the most popular, most academic, I think most scholarly, in the breadth of material that it covers, there are other sites that are much narrower that may be very academic and scholarly, but in the breadth of the material that I have Been able to cover, there's no website that compares in all of Christian Identity, and my website traffic is the reward of the work that I put into the website. That's just the way it is. Christogene.org is ranked consistently in the top 300,000 sites in the world, in the top 50 or 60,000 sites in the United States. I work hard to keep it there, I work hard to produce scholarly material that I think makes people want to come and see my website and download and listen to my programs. I have help. I have help from Clifton Emeheiser. I have help from, from a, a few other anonymous people that, that, that help me with things like projects like the Saxon Messenger. I would still be able to do the writing that I do, however, I wouldn't be able to make it so pretty and so attractive. I mean, that, that would take a whole lot more time, right? So, so that's my, my only endeavor, but every once in a while, I have to stop and address my critics. Back in March 16, 2013, with the help of Sword Brethren, I addressed the universalism of Eli James. In that presentation, which has had over 3,500 downloads, since then, since the day it was posted at Christogenia, not including hundreds of downloads from Talkshoe and from other venues. When we did that presentation, we made no ad hominem attacks against Joseph November or Eli James. I'll call him Joseph November because that's his real name. We made no disparaging remarks about his character we made no disparaging remarks about his name about his personal background what did we do we played Eli's own podcasts, segments of his own tapes and it could all be documented and we could point you to them all and you could hear them from their original sources in their entirety to make sure we did no splicing no hocus-pocus we played Eli's own words and compared them with scripture. We address the issues rather than make personal assaults on Eli's or, or on Joseph's character. What did we get answered with? Well, well Sword Brethren, he, he, he was with me and he's been working with me on this project, but, and, and that's okay. He's not attacked and, and I'd rather not. I'll, I'll take it all myself. i got big shoulders. All I've been addressed with in retaliation is ad hominem attacks against my character, personal attacks, personal assaults. And Joseph November has not addressed one single issue that was raised in that program. Now, I purposely kept my mouth shut about Joseph November's nature so that I could focus on the issues and show that our disagreement is not a personal disagreement. Our disagreement is about the issues. It's about the scripture. That's what it's been from the beginning. All the personal bullshit is superfluous. It's about the direction of Christian identity. It's about where real Christian identity scholarship lies, and it's about ultimately what the truth is in the scripture concerning the kingdom of heaven, concerning the destiny of our race, and the fate of the other peoples in the, in the world in relation to our race. And this is important. We need a clear racial message. We can't be hot or cold or lukewarm. We have to be hot. We can't be cold on this issue. We can't be lukewarm on this issue. We can't be wishy-washy on this issue because the lives of our brethren, the way that our people believe, the things that they teach their children. All these things are what's at stake. We want to stand in the truth or we want to stand in lies. That's what's at stake. Brian, Sword brother is with me here again tonight, and, and I'm going to ask him if he has anything to say before I continue. I have quite a few minutes
1: left.
2: Certainly. I just wanted to say on a fundamental level, it's not about answering a critic or addressing just some heckler. It's gone far beyond that. Uh, On the basic level now, we're at a point where we're not taking time out to address a critic of your work who says, oh, uh, Mr. Fink, I believe on page 129, paragraph 4, sentence 2, you're mistaken, and I can cite source so-and-so to um, make the case that I believe you're mistaken. We're dealing with somebody who's inventing fake, fabricated, false arguments, attaching them to you, saying that, these arguments come from Mr. Fink, so he's making a straw man and arguing against it. He's a liar, a fiend, a con man. That, that's basically what it is, and now we're here to answer the lies.
0: He did that in his first piece of the field paper that he asked me to proofread, and that's what precipitated our split. He was putting words into the mouth of Clifton Amaheiser, and when I addressed him about it in person, he didn't care. He was going forward with his paper. He didn't want to hear the truth of the the issues. He didn't want to be shown that his own arguments were dishonest. He rejected my counsel, and he, he opted to lie. He made a conscious decision to lie about Clifton Emmerheiser's work so that he could more effectively argue against it. That's a straw man argument. That's what he did. He's a master at it. We're going to see in this presentation over the next two weeks that Joseph November, and that's his damn name, that's who he is. He is not Eli James. Eli James is the creation. It's, the, it's a fiction. It's a government-approved fiction. It's a DBA. It's a, a doing business as alias that he has registered in Cook County, Illinois. He is not Eli James. I'm not going to address him as Eli James. Eli James is the name of a company. No. It's not the name of a person. Did there is no Cook person named Eli James.
2: Cook County or Crook County?
0: Crook County, Cook County, Cook County. Cook County. The, the um, I want,
2: to, I want to elucidate
0: something from one of my papers. Now, now Joseph November, when he first met me and started writing me in prison, he informed me that he had read many of my papers and that he really liked my work and blah, 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 blah. The, the, um, I, I don't know if he was playing the sycophant or if he's really that stupid. Or, 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 um,
2: it's become clear to me. He really hasn't read any of your work. And that, that's that stupid, me now that he's never read any of my blog posts and he's never listened to the programs I've done with other people, or else he would have known that he, he wasn't going to get me on board with his universalism back in January of what was it? 2011. It's been over two years now.
0: Right. My point was that I'm not sure if he was that stupid to think that I would write, a thesis, which is basically what my biblical essays represent a lot of them, I would write a thesis on Christian identity and then deny my own thesis simply because now I'm out of prison, uh, I'm on internet radio, and I'm working with D.Y. E. James. Uh, I'm not going to deny my thesis. I'm not, my, my theses are, are based uh, on the best scholarship that I could possibly produce, and, and I have to stand behind my work until I'm shown from the Scripture that I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong, well well, then if I'm any kind of a decent man, I'm going to apologize for being wrong and correct my work. I'm going to read something that I wrote in 2005. If Eli James ever read any of my work, Clifton Emeheiser would probably be the first to to testify that the most popular essays I wrote in prison um, on the Bible, never mind the historical essays, are my Broken Cisterns essays. And in Broken Cisterns, Part 2, this is what I wrote concerning the origin of the other races. And I wrote this in 2005, three years before I ever heard of Eli James, maybe two years before I ever heard of Eli James. Jude, and I'm quoting Broken Cisterns, Part 2, Jude discusses the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. And to these he compares Sodom and Gomorrah, and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh. And says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. I'm quoting Jude 7, Jude 11, Jude 6, where where it also may be evident that the way of Cain, too, has something to do with fornication, race mixing. Paul attributes to these same angels the source of false religions in his own cryptic way at both 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 20 and 21 and Colossians 2.18, for which one may also refer to Leviticus 17.7, Deuteronomy 32.17, Joshua 23.7, and 2 Chronicles 11.15, among other passages of Scripture. There is no record in all of Scripture of Yahweh creating the other, the non-Adamic races; rather, he rejects them time and again. For instance, in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46, the parable that the the parable of the sheep nations and the goat nations—I'll call it a parable—it is. I would assert, by means of logical deduction, that the creators—and I'm still quoting Broken Cisterns, Part Two—that the creators of the non-Adamic races. Are these same angels which Jude discusses here, boldly accusing those angels of fornication, for which reason Judah's Canaanite wife is called the daughter of a strange god, Malachi 2:11. And Jude goes on to say of things Jude goes on to say of these beings whose descendants are obviously amongst us today. These are spots in your feasts of charity, when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. The term twice dead may be understood by referring to Matthew 23.7, and plucked up by the roots may be understood by referring to Matthew 15.13. Matthew 23.7, Christ tells the scribes and the Pharisees, the Edomite hypocrites, that they're beautiful on the outside, and like whited sepulchres, they're full of dead men's bones. They have not the Spirit of God in them. In Matthew 15.13, Christ says, Every plant that my heavenly Father did not plant shall be rooted up. There are many races here which God did not make. The Apostle John, in 1 John chapter 4, states clearly that there are people born from God, and that is us. That's the children of Israel, that's the Adamic race, born from above, John chapter 3, the spirit which Adam received from Yahweh, Genesis 2, 7. And then John, in 1 John chapter 4, explains that there are people born of the world. People born of the world are born of the sin of the world. They're not created by Yahweh God. They're bastards. They're plants that Yahweh did not plant. And they shall be rooted up. Matthew 15. Thrown into the fire. So the things that I've taught these last three, four years, four years since I've been out of prison, it's it's, it's almost five. It'll be five in December. The time's getting away from me. These last five years are the things that I taught for at least five years before I got out of prison. While I was writing essays that Clifton Emeheiser was publishing, I was teaching the same things then on the origin of the other races and on their destiny that I teach today. And Eli James sought me out and sought to work with me, claiming that he knew my work, claiming that he read my papers. And if he'd read my papers, He should have seen that we couldn't possibly agree on his universalist bullshit. And he is a universalist. We've proven he was a universalist. He just wants to twist the definition of universalist into something other so that he could escape the label. So we're going to present... A good portion, I'm not sure if we'll present the whole thing, the whole 21 tortuous pages over the next week or two.
2: Well, Bill, I'm noticing something here. He has this pet definition, and something similar is going on on Wikipedia, where I've tried to add category American communists for Grover Fur, and they've come back and said, well, he doesn't self-identify publicly as a communist, so that's an inappropriate addition. We're not going to allow that. So someone has to self-identify as a communist or a universalist before we can give them that label. Eli, uh, Joe November, his doctrine is universalistic. He's invented a pet definition that he can't possibly meet the burden of, so he thinks he's going to avoid being rightly classed as a universalist. Well, we don't have to wait for somebody to call themselves a Marxist-Leninist. If they advocate all ten planks of the Communist Manifesto, they're a communist. Eli's ad- or Joe November is advocating universalism, ergo he's a universalist.
0: Well, well, absolutely, that's absolutely true, and we're going to prove again that he's a universalist from his own writing. Now, he's redefined universalist, and that's why on April nineteenth of this year, on the Christagenia forum, I made a post, and that post was titled, "What is universalism." And I define what I believe universalism is in that post. And yes, I also use some mainstream sources. Now, that same post became, after a little um, expounding and, and, and a little rewriting and editing, because it's a forum post, right? It became my June 2000. I'm sorry, it, it wasn't published in June. I'm running a month behind. It became my May 2013. Saxon Messenger editorial, posted June 4th, entitled, What is Universalism? And it was printed in the Saxon Messenger last month. So, so I've defined what I believe universalism is. And again, in that post, I quote statements from Eli James, from his writing, from the New Ensign magazine and his Beast of the Field Part 5, which demonstrate that he is indeed a universalist. Now, if he wants to argue with me on on the substance of the label, he went on a program with Jeremy Visser, and he denied... And Jeremy Visser let him get away with it. He denied the label of Universalist for an hour, but neither of them address the substance of the charges. They didn't go through the podcast that we did, which had five or six of Eli's own sound bites, Eli's own statements, and they weren't they weren't ten second sound bites. They were two and three minute sound bites, some of them, some of them longer. They they were Eli basically expounding universalist doctrines and universalist ideas, and we addressed them all from scripture. They didn't address one of those points. They didn't address, They they talked about the label of universalist and called it a pejorative. Well, if you're accused, and this is one of the points I made in my June editorial, if you're accused of murder, you can't stand in the courtroom and and deny the label and call it a. Pe- oh, Mr. Prosecutor, I'm not a murderer. You're just calling me names. <laughs> Do that. You have to address the substance of the charges. You have to refute. The actual evidence. And Eli oh. hasn't done that, and he still hasn't done that. He still hasn't explained his own statements, how the hell somebody who's 15% of another race
2: could be white. Well, you know, ultimately, even if we look at it from the, the idea of uh, the American criminal system, beyond all reasonable doubt, If we took our programs and the broadcasts and Eli's writings, Joe November's writings, pardon me, I'm used to addressing him as Eli. If we took Mr. November's writings into a court and we had 12 people objectively analyze everything, I think they would have to conclude beyond all reasonable doubt, Mr. November is a universalist. That's what the evidence would lead to, that conclusion.
0: Well, I don't see how it couldn't lead to that. And, and we'll present the evidence later on. In, well, well, we'll get to some of it tonight without a doubt. But most of the, the evidence, uh, plenty of evidence, I, I mean, five or six major statements from Eli James, which are all universalist in nature, have been presented from Eli's own, well, well I should say, from November's own podcasts, a podcast he did with you, a podcast he did with Greg Howard, Five or six major lengthy statements from, Eli, from, from Joseph November have been um, addressed in that Eli James Universalist podcast that we did in March. He's never addressed the substance. He sat on Jeremy's program for, for um, an hour and denied the label, and, and they basically they didn't really mention me by name, but they basically labeled me their enemy because I'm calling Eli a universalist. So, I'm the enemy now. And they're, they're um, denying the label doesn't do anything to deny the substance of the charges. And Visser looked bad doing it. He looked bad doing it because it was so obvious that he was letting Eli off the hook easy but with, and, and, and letting him deny this label without addressing one point of the evidence which has been raised. Which is the reason why I've applied the label. I'm not a p- calling Joseph November a universalist simply because I feel like calling him a name. If I wanted to call him a name, there's more creative names than that I could label him with. Right. It, it, you know, I'm not just slinging mud. The man's a universalist.
2: Well, I heard out of his own mouth that we're to work with the other races, and that's what God wants.
0: Well, what God wants is for us to come out from among them and touch not the unclean so that he could receive us. Peter, the apostle, in his first epistle, in the second chapter, I think it's in verse 9, 1 Peter 2, 9, tells us, that we're to be a, pecu- a separate people, a holy nation, a peculiar people. That admonition, that language that Peter used, was right from Yahweh's own commandments in Exodus chapter 19, that we're to be a separate and peculiar people and a holy nation, meaning set apart. That word holy in Greek, hagios, means set apart for the purposes of God. And that means to come out from among the other races. Touch not the unclean. Only the children of Israel were cleaned on that cross. Racial separation is commanded. We're not to work with and cooperate with the other races. We're to separate ourselves from them. That's the Christian commandment. That's the lesson that we have failed to learn ever since the the land of Canaan and the conquest under Joshua. That's
2: what
0: James is prescribing the assurance of our continued failure.
2: Mr. November claims that you're an exterminationist and a supremacist where he only supports total, absolute segregation, but he's already backpedaled from that. He no longer supports segregation. Now he supports holding hands, singing Kumbaya, we're all working for the kingdom.
0: It depends on which side of his mouth he's talking out of. He's talking out of both sides of his mouth. Out of one side of his mouth, he insists that that, that, um, we have segregation. Out of the other side of his mouth, he insists that we work together with the other races. He sat and told Jose, and we played this podcast, we played this clip in our podcast, Eli James, the Universalism of Eli James. He sat and told Jose, the Mexican caller, that we're to worship separately. So so what, do we have segregation one for one hour a week on Sunday, perhaps? Is that when we're segregated? That's what he told him. And then he told the Mexican that the Mexican could be a Christian. And the Mexican cannot by any means be a Christian because Christian is a racial label. It's a racial label because in the fulfillment of prophecy, it's only applied to the children of Israel. It's a a label that can't, in the eyes of God, in the eyes of Scripture, properly be applied to anybody outside of the children of Israel. So to an, maybe, maybe to a Baptist or to an Episcopalian or to a Catholic, Jose could be a Christian. But not to an identity Christian, Jose can't be a Christian. Not by any means. Otherwise, you're not an identity Christian. Otherwise, you're just another Judeo-Christian Baptist, evangelist, Episcopalian. It doesn't matter. Identity Christians are those who understand that the covenant and and the laws and the promises and the inheritance, as Paul says in in Romans chapter 9, I'm paraphrasing, belong only to the children of Israel according to the flesh. That's identity Christianity. Calling a Jose a Christian when he's half squat monster and, and probably a quarter Jew That's not identity Christianity. Jose should go beat a drum in a desert somewhere.
2: Well, you'll get no argument from me. I wonder, though, Mr. November's followers, are they just ignoring all of this? Is it just not sinking in?
0: I, I don't know. I don't get it. And that's one of the reasons why we're here today, because I know a lot of the people that listen to me um, are, are still foolish enough, and I don't care if they don't ever listen to me again, they're still foolish enough to listen to him. And he is a shill. As Clifton Emma Heiser said, he's flying under false colors, and we're going discu- to discuss his name today, without a doubt
1: or in this series i don't know if well I'll get it.
2: he's 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 called you a murderer clifton is a senile old man i'm the only person he has yet to slander or defame
0: well well i'm sure you're on the on the short list
2: we're not, we're not tossing mud at him though his name is joseph november he's lied about his identity his his name and it's not as though he's taken a screen name and is writing under a pen name you know calling himself george washington or Brutus or Cassius or Caesar. He, he's not using an obviously assumed pen name to conceal his identity. He's using pseudonyms, fake names, and he, he told me his real name was Eli James and Joseph November was his business name.
0: And that's exactly what he told me the week I got out of prison, when I finally saw his name, Joseph November, on a caller ID. And, and I, I'm a trusting individual, believe it or not, And and Eli came well recommended to me by by some Christian identity brethren in Michigan, who themselves were um, at one time associates of Jim Wickstrom, and I don't say that disparagingly in this case. Well, that this, I, I respected these people, I really did, and, and I still do, except that one of them what, was an old friend and, and turned to Paul bashing. I don't respect him for that. Well, well, anyway, these people highly recommended Eli James to me when Eli wanted to write me, and they gave Eli my address. A- and um, I should call him Joseph November. Well, well November started writing me, and, and he sent me some of his a- essays, and I think now that he was um, quite careful about which essays he sent me. If he'd have sent me his great impersonation book, and if I'd have read it, I'd have never worked with the man. I would have never worked with the man because the great impersonation book reveals Eli James as a universalist. His own book does, page 111. Pastor Mark Downey has pointed it out. Many times, and, and I'm glad Mark found it because I would never get to page 111 of his book to read it. I wouldn't waste that much time with Joseph's November now. But, but Mark did find it, and, and if I'd have read that in 2007 or 2008 when Eli first wrote me, I'd have never worked with him. Hands off, I'm sorry. It, it's, um, it, Eli said that Jesus was preaching for all people on page 111 of his great impersonation book. That would have been a deal breaker right there. And that's what he said, and, and I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said, and, and it can be quoted verbatim, and I scanned the page, and it's on the Christoginia forum as we speak. It's already there. I scanned it and put it there two days
2: well, ago. Well, he himself is the great impersonation.
0: Well, well no doubt. How
2: apt. Well, you know, one day I just I, I decided to ask him because I'd noticed every time he would call me to get ready for a show, it would say November comma Joseph. And I said, Pastor Eli, why does your phone – who's Joe November? Is your phone in someone else's name? And he said, oh, that's a business name I use. That's just a business name to protect my family well, and stuff. That's
0: exactly what he told me. However, I later learned that Joseph November was his real name. Eli James is the alias. He lied to me about his name. Now, he has testified on his program these last couple of years since we split that he told me that he was using an alias. That's what he said. Now, Eli is the psychologist, right? And, And he did tell me he was using an alias. He wasn't lying on his program the way he phrased the sentence. But he was lying by omission because he told me, that Joseph November was the alias, and that Eli James was his real name. Now I find, as, as the people on the Christogenia chat room back in early 2011 had been researching, because of the rift which we had, people some of the better, um, more diligent brethren that, that were on the chat room at that time, Matthew Watt and a few others, that they started searching, and they realized that Joseph November was his real name. And you yourself, Brian, realized that his whole family was named November. When you use an alias, you don't give it to your family. But the kicker was when we found that Eli James Publishing was a registered business, registered to Joseph P. November. And that's a matter of public record. And I... Eli James has been accusing me of posting that online, and that's a damnable lie. I never posted that online. It's already online. It's been online since Eli James registered that business in 2005. It's been online at the Chicago Tribune in their business notices. It's been online at Manta.com. It's been online at half a dozen other places that keep track of businesses registered in Cook County, Illinois. Every county has those places. Manna.com is a worldwide website that keeps track of of businesses in local areas. That's what they do. That's how they feed their kids, I guess, at Manna.com. That's how they make their money. They keep track of local businesses. They told me that Eli James Publishing was a business registered by Joseph P. November principal. Therefore. Joseph P. November is his real name. That's his real name because he has a business registered in that name. And he was lying, not only to me, but to a lot of people about what his real name was. Now, not for nothing, there's no reason for a man in this business, in the business of supposedly telling the truth, to lie about his name. Bertrand Compare? Wesley Swift, does Eli James risk more than those men risk? Does Eli James risk more than Mark Downey? Does he risk more than Don Elmore? Does he risk more than Bill Gale? Does he risk more than Ted Wheeland or, or Stephen Jones? Stephen Jones is labeled a racist, and he's a soft pansy ass. And he's labeled a racist. Eli James, all these other men use their real names. Pete Peters, Clifton Emmerheiser published his address on all his essays for 15 years. All these men in Christian identity have used their real names for all these years. What the hell makes Joseph November special? that he could get away with lying to people about his name and and denying it to cover his tracks. Who the hell is he? I'll tell you who he is. November is not a Christian name, period. There's a woman on the Internet, Sharon November. She gives a history. It's her family name. She's a Jewess. And she gives a history of the November name. And she insists that all Novembers are related. They all came from... Eastern Europe. They all came from Poland. November was a name given them. They, they were forced to take names by the king in the 1850s, and a bunch of them took the name November. It came right out of the friggin' ghettos in Poland. Joseph November is only 85% white, and that's why he has made it his doctrine to save people that are 15% Canaanite to convince us that they're worthy for the kingdom. And that's what he did on his program with you, Brian.
2: Absolutely. He was trying to redefine – first he tried to redefine the definition of white. And when that failed, he, he just tried to run with the idea that – well, well, actually, no, I'm sorry. First he came out and said, well, what do we say that are nice people who are through no fault of their own are mixed? So he wanted to make an emotional appeal. And when I said we don't say anything to them, they're not getting in, then he tried to redefine white and weaken the definition we, we we go from 100% white as white to now he wants to go to 85% is good enough, and soon it'll be 80, 75. If you draw the line at 15% admixture, it's arbitrary. Do you exclude someone who's 16%? You can't do it. It's not fair.
0: If you if you include if you include, and, and I'm not saying that everybody that listens to me, I'm not I cannot guarantee you with my own racial purity. I've been approached, I've been advanced. Challenges time and time again with people telling me, Well, what if you're not 100% white? And I'd look them in the eye and I'd say, If I'm not 100% white, how does that change the truth? What does it matter? What does it matter? What is my personal predicament? How can my personal predicament change the Word of God? It can't. But I'm going to do my best to stand on the truth. Everybody that listens to me is probably not 100% white. That's just the way life is. That's why we can't tell the wheat from the tares. But we do not negotiate the truth because of our perceived personal situation or because the perceived personal situations of people that we, what we, ha- we count among our loved ones. We cannot change the truth. If you just happen to get a little half-breed nigger for a, for a grandson, you don't change the truth to accommodate your grandson. That's not what they did back in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah when Nehemiah commanded the children of Israel who had raced mixed with the people of Canaan. He said, put away the strange women and those who are born of them. The women and the children, they have to go because a bastard shall not enter the congregation of Yahweh. Once you, once you assume that somebody with one drop of alien blood is acceptable, everything becomes relative. And it's a slippery slope. And next week, as Clifton Emheiser likes to say, you'll be baptizing niggers. That's the way it is. There's no end to the slippery slope. And it's a fast slide down.
2: I think Mr. November understands that, and he's hoping for that. That's the only way he's going to get in.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. He, he's, he's come up, he's concocted a doctrine that makes him acceptable. His Jewish ancestry, wherever that grandfather is along the line that was first named November, he's Joseph November, has concocted a Christian identity doctrine that makes Christian identity safe for bastards.
1: Well, and the
2: hypothetically, word, though, uh, even, if, even if he convinces every single one of us, even if he convinces you, Clifton, myself, he convinces everybody in CI.
0: The truth of the word God.
2: He, right, even if he convinces all of us that he, he should be accepted at only 15%, it doesn't change anything. It's not convincing God. It doesn't let mean God anything.
0: True, let God be true and every man a liar.
2: So who does he think he's fooling?
0: The world is not safe for bastards. It's called chutzpah. That's the only way I could see it.
2: Right, but having, if he's read the Bible, he has to know better that even if he does convince us, it changes nothing, which leads me to conclude that he's here to disrupt, distract, and destroy.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And he thinks he thinks that the world of Christian, Christian identity and this paper will help prove it. He thinks that the world of Christian identity revolves around him. He sees himself as Christian identity. I got news for him. And, and I don't. I really try to stay humble, and, and sometimes it's hard to be humble. I really try to stay humble. But more people read my personal blog than read Eli James's website now. And it's been like that for a year. It's been like that for over a year. That's the way it is. Eli or, or Joseph November, I don't know. He, he's on Republic Radio, so he's probably doing pretty good like that because you could go on Republic Radio. Once you get a slot, you're guaranteed a couple of hundred listeners. they got a couple of hundred people listening to Republic Radio around the clock, just out of habit. That's the way it is. But that's not driving the traffic to his website, which is ranked 8.8 million in the world, which is absolutely disgraceful, because when Joseph November was working with me, his website was ranked as high as the top 200,000 in the world. I'm not lying. I put a post up on Christagenia today just to be able to substantiate that. It shows that in August of 2010, Christagenia.org was rated in the top 300,000 websites in the world. And anglosaxonisrael.com was rated by Alexa.com, the largest website ranking company on the Internet. He was rated about 800,000 in the world. Now, today, Christagenia.org is is still in the top 300,000 websites in the world, it's still in the top 50,000 websites in the United States, Joseph November's website is not barely in the top 9 million. So, so his lies and, and his calumny and, and, and his calculations, they haven't helped his web traffic.
2: So he's getting a, he, he has a well-earned place in obscurity.
0: My, um, my websites have kept the, the levels of reader the same levels of readership for, um, for, for three years or, 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 or improved. And in, in, in um, my podcasts, 80,000 of my podcasts were downloaded each month the last two months. 31,000 podcasts were downloaded from Christagenia.org so far this month, so, so I'm not, I, I mean, I, I'm not wealthy, believe me, I'm not wealthy, I, I can barely pay the rent, but that's all I need to do, that's all I need to do. You, you don't get wealthy telling the truth, I will never be rolling in cash, it's not going to happen, my job is to get my message out to as many people as I can, as long as Yahweh, my God, allows me to do it. That's the way I see it. That's all. That's my only endeavor, is to get the Christian identity message out as far and as wide as possible. But I'm never going to compromise the message, and I'm never going to compromise the race issue in order to do that, in order to facilitate that. It's not going to happen. There are no Negroes in the kingdom of heaven. There are no non-whites in the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because Joshua Christ says, unless a man is born from above, he shall not see the kingdom of heaven. Only our race, as Bertrand Camperi and Wesley Swift taught, only our race is born from above. Only our race has that spirit through which the resurrection is possible. The other races don't have that. They will never be in the kingdom of heaven. You will never hear me tell a girl, oh, it's okay to go off and have a baby with Jose. God's going to judge the little bastard based on his works. No, God's not going to judge that little bastard based on his works. Every plant that my heavenly father did not plant shall be rooted up. The little bastard's going to the lake of fire. So if you want to tell your daughter that, that's fine. I'll never tell my daughter that. Sweetheart, you want to go have a baby with a Negro? You want to go have a baby with an ape? Well, I'll tell you what, you you may be saved, but your baby's going to hell, and I'm not going to have a damn thing to do with it. That's the message we need to be teaching today. That's the true Christian message. Because a bastard will not enter the congregation of Yahweh. Nay, even forever. That's the way it is. We have to tell these people the truth. We can't negotiate it. It's not negotiable. Eli James takes the words of the king of Nineveh as they're recorded in the prophecy of Jonah, and he makes um, the word of God out of them. They're the words of the king of Nineveh. And he makes a doctrine safe for bastards. To make the world safe for bastards, Eli James makes a doctrine out of those words. Because beasts could repent according to the king of Nineveh in Jonah chapter 3, not according to the word of God. Where do you get your scripture from? You don't take every word of scripture and make doctrine out of it. If you took every word of scripture and made doctrine out of it, then you're not your brother's keeper because you could just follow the words of Cain and and imagine them
2: to be pious. Well, you know what? I I think in Genesis 19... Lot's daughters say, let us get our father drunk with wine and then sleep with him. So I guess that's doctrine now, right? That's good. We can run with that because it's in Genesis.
0: Absolutely. I mean, we have to take all, this, all the scripture in context, see where it's coming from, see who's, who's doing the speaking, who's doing the talking to. Joseph November has made doctrine out of the words of the Canaanite woman in Matthew chapter 15.
2: Well, maybe she's only 15% Cain tonight.
0: Right. We're going to present Joseph November's Judgment Day Perspectives newsletter, June 13, 2013. We're going to address the lies. That's the purpose of this new series. I hope it only runs two or three segments because I really want to start a new 2C line series. I really want to... um, do a two C line series with somebody that understands the race issue and its importance and replace the old series that's now off of Christagenia. I moved it off of Christagenia. I've moved most of the programs I did with Joseph November off of Christagenia. I won't take them off the internet. I want them there. I want the testimony there that for two years, Joseph November did podcasts with me. For two years, I ran circles around his dumb ass with scripture. And you could go listen to the evidence. It's there. And for two years, he couldn't convince me of his universalist garbage. So I won't take them off the Internet, but they're not on Christogenia anymore. Most of my programs with Joseph November or Rewind James are now hosted at archive.christagenia.org. I moved them onto an older uh, onto a new site that's a new site that I made for older posts just because if I don't keep Christagenia, um, well, well, it's a very large website, and, and I don't want to get it too cluttered, so, so I thought it was time to move some of the old stuff off. Basically, that's the bottom line. It's still accessible, Org. I have about... Um, I think I moved about three or 400 podcasts to that site. It's a lot. I don't know off the top of my head, but it's a lot. It's a, most of the old Euroforums, most of the old Christogenia Open Forums. I really miss the Christogenia Open Forum. This program that we're doing tonight and, and the subsequent um, segments of it would be perfect for the Christogenia Open Forum, but, but I don't have that venue anymore. Uh, I had to... Um, I, I had to let it go because after three years it just ran its course. Almost three years, I think it just ran its course. It it was um, stale, so so I had to let it go. This program actually replaced it when I split with when I split with Joseph November. Okay, Broken Cisterns Part 2 establishes that the same, and, and that's basically where we left off after all these digressions, right? Broken Cisterns Part 2, my paper, which Clifton Emmerheiser, Clifton Emmerheiser published in 2005, which I hold a U.S. Library of Congress copyright on that proves that I wrote it before 2006, which is the copyright date, shows that the things that I teach today, about race and salvation, and about the origin of the races. I was teaching those things in 2005 when I wrote that paper, because that paper expresses the same ideas I teach now. Eli James has been insisting that I've somehow developed this exterminationism doctrine overnight while working with him. That's a lie, because I've had it. I've been teaching the same things for basically ever since I first picked up a pen to write an essay for Clifton Emma Heiser. I may have changed my mind about some minor points here and there, but my core teachings haven't changed. And I can show that Bertrand Camperet had a lot of the same ideas, even if he did not express them so bluntly. Bertrand Compare, if you want to go see the extermination, the, the extermination is theory and Christian identity, go read Bertrand Compré's paper, Gathering the Tares, because it's there. And the podcasts are there, right at Christagenia.org, Compré.Christagenia.org and we'll be quoting from Gathering the Tears later in this presentation, when we get to the point where Eli brags that Bertrand Compré never taught about the extermination of the non-white races. Well, Eli James is lying. He's lying through his teeth because I don't think he's read Compare either. Bertrand Compré indeed taught the same thing about the other races in the Judgment Day of Christ that Clifton M. Heiser and I teach. Without a doubt. Would you like to start this? That this um trash. <laughs> it's trash. It, it's trash. This this is lie after lie after lie. But we're gonna roll with it.
2: Jump right into my first on-air analysis. That one.
0: Yeah, we can start with that because we'll talk about that a little bit off the top. Of- Top of my head, I mean, I haven't heard that program in four years, but three first, years, however long.
2: My first on-air analysis of Fink's extermination thesis—it's been downgraded. It used to be the Finkahizer, now it's just you. Fink's extermination thesis was this theology is designed. Was that this theology is designed to destroy Christian identity? Here is the link to that show on one twenty-three two thousand eleven. The destruction of our movement will be caused by the repugnance. Decent white people will feel when confronted with the idea that Yahweh hates the other races. What Bill Fink has done is to develop a theology of purely racial supremacism by claiming that Yahweh hates the other races as much as he hates Edomites. But this doctrine is devoid of scriptural backing. The Bible teaches dominion theology, which is based upon white Israelites serving him by obeying his laws. By perverting the meaning of all Israel will be saved, William Fink also teaches that obedience is unnecessary, the color of our skin is all that is necessary for whites to qualify for the promised kingdom. And full stop here, even if this were the case that other white people will be repulsed and they'll, they'll just dismiss the message, why does that matter? If if Noah walks out and says a flood is coming, you need to mend your wicked ways, and the people aren't interested, they don't care, they're, they're not going to mend their wicked ways, what, what does it matter? Is he supposed to go out there and tell the giants and the Nephilim seeds, stop, you know, hybridizing, stop being mixed, stop all this? Or if Lot goes into, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah and tells them, stop engaging in sodomy or God's going to destroy you all. And they say, well, we don't want to hear that. That's mean. We reject you and we reject God. That doesn't mean anything to God. He's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. It, it doesn't matter if the masses accept the message or reject the message. The truth isn't contingent upon consensus.
0: The children of Israel have never accepted the message. I I had demonstrated recently in my Acts chapter 7 commentary that Moses was chosen to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt because he killed the Egyptian. And because he killed the Egyptian in favor of a member of his own tribe, of his own race, he killed the Egyptian... To save the Hebrew slave, because the Hebrew slave was a Hebrew, and Moses was a Hebrew. And he forfeited the luxuries that he had in the household of Pharaoh to favor a member of his own race. That's why Moses was chosen. Now, it's very clear in the account, as it's told in the Exodus, and as it's retold in Stephen, that even that Hebrew... Rejected Moses. Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? Well, the Egyptian was the oppressor of that Hebrew. So we see that our people have never accepted that message. They've never accepted the truth of God. And that's the example that's used. In the call of Moses, I'm sure a lot of events happened in the life of Moses up to that point. But that example was used for a damn good reason. Because if you favor your own race above your own station in life, like Moses did, then you will gain the blessings of God like Moses did. Because that's what Moses did. He gave up his station in life. a, A child in Pharaoh's court treated as a son in the court of Pharaoh with all of the amenities and luxuries and privileges that would come with being a prince in a great kingdom such as Egypt. Moses gave that up to the benefit, to try to benefit, Members of his own race in their lowly enslaved position, he gave that up, and his own people didn't appreciate that. So, what makes us think that our own people today are going to appreciate the truth of the Word of God? They certainly the hell aren't. They're no better now than they were in the days of Moses. In fact, they're a hell of a lot worse. The Word of God matters. The movement doesn't matter. The movement is nothing without the truth of the Word of God. The movement is feces without the truth of the Word of God. It's nothing. If you don't stand on the truth, you stand on nothing. Eli James, in that program that he points out here, made an appeal and he said, Oh, mainstream Christians and British Israel people, we will never win them over. Eli James was making a move for the big tent on this date in January 2011. And I wasn't standing for it. That's the difference between Eli James and myself. And Clifton wouldn't stand for it either. And I'm glad I didn't stand for it. And I sure as hell haven't, I'm not one whit worse off now than I was then. Not one whit. In fact, I've been kind of blessed lately in my life, the last two years.
2: Well, we don't have to worry about Joe's sci-fi baggage. That's always a plus.
0: Well, well, absolutely. There's a lot of things that could have split Eli James and I. In fact, I, I should say I'm very blessed. I have a wonderful wife now. I, I should say that um, that this that these things that I had suffered with Eli James. I tried warning them about Clay Douglas. We had to go through the the, the crap with Arlene Johnson, who, who was in his his forums every week, advertising her Marxist website. And he put up with that for years, and we had to ostracize her. We had to do a program, and he hated us for doing that program on Arlene Johnson. But he couldn't say a damn thing because he knew we were right, and if he stood against it, he would have been exposed then. He hated us for that program on Arlene Johnson. I put up with Arlene Johnson. I put up with Ron Wyatt. I put up with Jordan Maxwell and all the harebrained Zechariah Sitchin bullshit that Eli used to send out in his emails, and he still sends them out in his emails. And I would try to persuade him away from that stuff. I tried to persuade him away from Jordan Maxwell. I did open forum programs. About Zechariah Sitchin and Jordan Maxwell in 2011, while I was still working with Eli James, hoping that he would listen to them and that that would wake him the hell up, and it wouldn't wake him up. I'm sorry, those programs some of them were in 2010, concerning Jordan Maxwell and Zechariah Sitchin and Ron Wyatt, and Eli wouldn't hear it. He kept promoting heresy after heresy after heresy. But it's the racial issue in the scripture, and it's his lies, his straw man arguments, and his deceptions, and his beast of the field paper. That's what split us. I put up with a lot of Eli James's crap. The Ron Wyatt stuff was way off the mark.
1: The Zechariah...
0: Is a Jew, a damnable Jew. Joseph November loves to titillate people with mysteries, just like the ancient Babylonian priesthood, just like the way the ancient Babylonian priests controlled the people, with mysteries and with secrets and, and with impending disaster constantly lurking around the corner if it's not 2012 he's already changed it he's already been telling people and i have evidence of this on facebook he's already been telling people that 2012 was a mistake but the Maya, messiah is going to come the messiah is going to come in 2014 or 2015 that's his newest gimmick
2: well that's what he told me i asked him around 2009 and again in 2010 Pastor Eli, what's going to happen if 2012 comes and goes and nothing happens and you're wrong? He told me I'll recalculate.
0: Absolutely. Why not? It's profitable, I imagine. I isn't, don't that
2: know. All the, isn't that what all the Pentecostals do with the rapture? Every time the rapture doesn't come, they just go back to the drawing board and, oh, I forgot to carry the two.
0: I can't be Hal Lindsey. Can't do it. Sorry. No man knows the day. Why 2012? Now he's denying that he ever... He ever um,
2: he asked you to
0: take that clock down. We promoted December 21st, 2012, and we're going to see that in this presentation. He's denying that. Now, now that it didn't happen, he's gone into plausible deniability or or or, or something like that. Okay, would you like to, um, I, I mean, we've already gone on digressions for about an hour. Well, we have a good 45 minutes left. Would you like to start reading this?
2: I have documented Fink's distortionist tactics in William Fink, race trader, on ASI. So there is no need to go into any great detail about that. I will, however, cite a few examples of Fink's skill at spinning facts into pharisaical eyes.
0: Well, what if I'm spinning facts, I'm doing better than he is. <laughs> the, oh, this race trader thing, right? This race trader. Well, first, if he's only 85% white... He's a Jew, how could I be a race trader? November's a Jewish name. I want to know how I could be a race trader because I'm not a Jew. I got two inches of foreskin that proves I ain't a Jew. He could come see it anytime he wants. Am I a race trader simply for exposing Joseph November? Is that what I did? Because I exposed it that because I pointed people to websites where he posted the records. When Joseph November registered Eli James Publishing as a business, when he began to function as Eli James, he registered that as a business. He is the one that put Eli James online as Joseph November. He did that. Now, because he denied that his name was Joseph November at a time when I already knew better, when I knew he was lying, when I pointed that out to people on the Christagenia Forum is where I first pointed that out, those records that Joseph November created when he registered that business, Eli James Publishing. He created those records. I didn't. He's the one that filled out that paperwork. And the Chicago Tribune put it online, and Manta.com put it online. They put it online. Eli James Publishing with his address and the words Joseph P. November, principal. I didn't put that online. I never put that online anywhere. But he's calling me a race trader because I because after he lied about his name, I showed people where the proof was online that's all i did that his name was joseph november
2: so you so should really be yelling at the state of illinois
0: so i'm a race trader for exposing the fact that he was lying about his name all i did was post links articles that were public records records which joseph november himself created when he registered a local business With Cook County, Illinois, and that business was named Eli James Publishing. He created those records. He's the race trader. Now, since then, since he created Eli James Publishing, he has eschewed his own real name and he's operated as Eli James. But Eli James is only the name of that, that, that fiction that the government approved. Eli James is basically a government-approved fiction. That's what it is. That's what it legally is. When you register a DBA so that you could function under the name of a business, I have a DBA, it's called Plymouth Internet Services. I can function as Plymouth Internet Services. If if I do work for you and you give me a check made out to Plymouth Internet Services, I can take that check to the bank. But I don't go around telling people my name is Plymouth Internet Services. I tell people my name is Bill. He registered Eli James Publishing and goes around and calls himself Eli James when his name is really Joseph November. Clifton Heiser appropriately calls that flying under false colors. That's what he's doing. You know, no other prominent Christian identity pastor does that or has ever done that. Bertrand Camperet, that was his real name. When I hear it, I know I'm dealing with a Frenchman. Wesley Swift, that's his real name. When I hear it, I know I'm dealing with somebody who is Scots English. Ted Wheeland, as much as I despise his dumbass, when I hear his name, I know I'm dealing with a German. The same thing with Clifton Emmeheiser. The same thing with Don Elmore. When I see Mark Downey, when I see that name, I know I'm dealing with an Irishman. What do I see when I see Joseph November? That's why he registered Eli James Publishing. Because if I saw Joseph November, I'd know I was dealing with a Jew. And I ain't dealing with a Jew.
2: Well, you know, when he was concocting this name, Eli Joseph James, he picked Joseph as a middle name for a reason. So if we're ever out and about meeting with him in Chicago, and someone who knows him as Joseph November calls out, hey, Joe, how are you? And then we ask him, Eli, why is that guy calling you Joe? Eli would explain, oh, sometimes I use my middle name. He's just calling me, you know, Eli Joseph James. He's just addressing me by my middle name. I use that as a nickname sometimes.
0: Why is Joseph November better than Bertrand Compre, Wesley Swift, Ted Wheeling, Stephen Jones, Dave Barley, Sheldon Emery? E. Raymond Capps, Howard Rand, Clifton Emmeheiser, Bill Gale, Pete Peters, Don Elmore, Mark Downey, Ken Lant and Ken Gregg. Why? They all use their real names. Why is Joseph November better than any of them? That he, if he were really trying to hide his true identity so that he would not feel threatened because he's such a great anti-Semite, he would never have registered his business as an alias a matter which is published on many public websites as a matter of business records, he would have never registered it because it's easily found. If he was really trying to mask his identity because he feared for his life, he would have never registered his alias as a business because it's easily found. And if you think the Jews can't figure that out, You've got to be out of your mind. In reality, he only did it to hide his true identity as a person with the name November because it's not a Christian name. And he tried to hide it from unsuspecting identity Christians. How am I a race traitor for exposing that? Why isn't Joseph November simply honest about who he is? Now, if I'm a race trader, that means that he thinks he's one arrogant bastard because he thinks he's the standard bearer for the entire white race. How could I be a race trader for telling the truth? That's what I want to know. Eli James is an arrogant bastard, and Yahweh will judge him as such because the world doesn't revolve around him, and people have a right to know the truth. I'm not a race traitor. He's not even white. How can I be a race traitor?
2: He then goes on to write, for example, here is Fink's version of my show with two black men, a link to Zogbots, Walk with Animals. Fink claims that I was trying to convert these non-whites, accusing me of casting pearls before swine. The fact is that my only purpose in, in going on this particular show was to explain to their black audience that the Jews are the true enemies of all races, Contrary to Fink's accusations, I had no intention of converting any blacks to Christianity, nor did I try to. When I had scheduled this appearance, it was to be with the main host, but on the night of the show, someone else ran the show as the main host had become sick. I was explaining to their listeners that the Jews, not whites, are their real oppressors. If more blacks understood this, they would be less likely to rape white women and attack white men. And I, I think we need to stop here and get a comment and don't we? Oh, well, yeah, right.
0: That, that's all a, a fantasy, right? That's a pipe dream. You know, I never said th- – this is where Eli James, the psychologist, comes in. I never, I never said, I never wrote anywhere that Eli James was trying to convert niggers or Negroes. I never said that. He's lying. I'll tell you what I said. It's on the Christigenia Forum. It's on Zogbots, too, but it says the same thing. I originally posted it on the Christigenia Forum, December fifth, two 2011. That's where it was posted first, I believe. I said that he was trying to argue. I said, quote, unquote, Eli James went on a blog talk radio program to argue Christian identity with Negroes. I never said convert. Eli James makes a very subtle lie, one word, a one word lie to make me look like a bad guy, to, to magnify my charge, my false charge of his being a universalist. He did that purposely to magnify that charge so that he could discredit it. That's exactly why he did that. And it's a lie. Eli James, Joseph November, is a liar, because I never said that he was trying to convert the Negroes. I said that he argued Christian identity with the Negroes. The tape is on the Christagenia Forum. It's on Zogbots, too. I'd rather people go to the Christagenia Forum and look for it. It's under Eli James, Universalist, in the Christian Identity Directions section. It says, Eli recently went on a blog talk radio program to argue Christian identity with Negroes. When you listen to the recording, that's exactly what he did. His, his motive for going on a program is immaterial. What's material is what actually happened. And Eli James sat on that program for a long period of time to argue Christian identity with Negroes. That's what he did. That's what he said he did, and the proof is in the tape, and the tape is sitting on the Christogenia forum, and the tape proves it. I never said he was trying to convert them. That's a straw man argument. Eli made a lie about my argument about what I said so that he could argue against the lie. That's a straw man argument. Eli made a straw man argument. He's good at making straw man arguments. He does it all the time. We'll see much more proof of that. In fact, I'm going, to, I'm going to present a straw man argument that Eli made right now. I'm going to present a straw man argument that Eli made because it's in my paper on Christogenia entitled The Anatomy of My Split with Eli James, who I should be calling Joseph November, right? Because that's his name. Eli James is a fiction This is from Eli's Beast of the Field article. This, this was the passage which made me finally understand that Joseph November was patently dishonest and was never going to tell the truth. He's a damn Jew. He's not able to tell the truth. This is the passage. Now, Eli James, and I give the background here, Eli James asked me, to proofread this piece of the field paper that he wrote, which was a refutation of some things that Clifton wrote. Now, I can do that objectively. I have no problem doing that objectively, and I'm sure Clifton Emmerheiser wouldn't mind it, because Clifton Emmerheiser would rather see the facts come out, whether he's right or wrong. And I know that from Clifton, because I've been working with him for, for 17 years. <laughs> Eli James wrote, and this is in part, there was a long build-up to this straw man argument. Eli James wrote in summary, and I quote Eli's Beast of the Field paper, From Clifton's perspective, Nakash is the very first two-legged beast since all non-whites would have descended from him. If Nakash is the only two-legged beast on the planet on a sixth day, then we come back to the old problem of where did Cain get his wife from. That's what Eli said about Clifton's writing, and it's a damn lie. And I told Eli it was a lie. I told Eli that he was mischaracterizing Clifton's teachings and using a straw man argument, that he was putting his own words in Clifton's mouth. And when I wrote the anatomy of my split with Eli James... Well, I proved it because Eli wrote that beast of the field argument in October and November of 2010 because I proofread it for him and returned my criticism in November of 2010. And Clifton had written Watchman's teaching letter number 113 four years before that, maybe five, maybe I should go check. on Clifton Emeheiser's website, I think I'll do that, when Watchman's teaching letter number 113 was written. It was, it was published in September of 2007. In Watchman's teaching letter 113, Clifton clearly says, and, and let me quote it, The serpent of Genesis 3 is a member of that race of angels which revolted from God and were cast out into the earth, as described in Revelation chapter 12. We are not told when this happened, but can only imagine it happened sometime before Adam, but during the later ages of creation. The fossil record shows that there were many races of humans here before Adam. Eli James is a damn liar. He's a liar. He made a lie, and I told him he made a lie, and I told him before he published the lie but he still chose to publish the lie. He had warning of this. He had warning that Clifton never, ever said that Nakash, the the serpent of Genesis, was the first two-legged beast. Clifton never said that there were no people here before Adam. Clifton, Emma, nobody knows Clifton, Emma, has worked better than me. I proofread every word of it. Clifton has never said that there were no races here before Adam. He's always taught that the other races were here before Adam. Eli James chose to lie. I told him that this was a lie. This is the final straw in our split. This sealed it. This assured that we were going to split. When he, re- when he rebuffed my advice and published this paper anyway. But he didn't publish the paper on his website. I don't read his emails. He published the paper in an email. I didn't notice that he published the paper. I was hoping that he was still considering my advice three months later in January 2011. When he put this paper on his website, in January 2011, we split. That was it. It was over. Because I knew he was lying, and I told him he was lying. And he wouldn't have it. He went ahead with the paper anyway. This is on the Christogene website the anatomy of my split with Eli James. It was over his lying because he can't tell the truth, because he's a damn Jew, because his father's the devil. And even when I warned him, he still published the paper. When I, and I warned him in a nice way. I didn't tell him, hey, Eli, this is a lie. I said, hey, Eli, Clifton never taught this. You're making up words and putting them in his mouth. You should really seriously consider changing this. That's what I told him. I told him in writing, and I told him in person, on the phone. Watchman's teaching letter, number 136, and Watchman's teaching letter number 141 were also both published before Eli came out with his Beast of the Field article. And they both say the same thing. And Eli James is supposing himself to be an authority about what Clifton teaches about the Genesis, and he's only lying because he never read what Clifton teaches about Genesis. If he'd have read it and considered it, perhaps he wouldn't have lied about it. Perhaps. There's no doubt. Eli James is a liar. The evidence is in his own papers compared with what he says about Clifton and what Clifton actually wrote. This word thinkaholics.
2: Well, we didn't get there yet, Bill.
0: No, we didn't get there yet? Okay. Uh-huh. I'm not going to pontificate on Joseph November's utopian pipe dream about training Negroes to like like whites and hate Jews. It don't work. I've lived with the bastards. I lived with them. I, I was in prison and jail in my life for 25 years. I grew up on the streets of Jersey City. I know Negroes way too good. You're not going to teach Negroes to jump through a hoop and get them to like white people and hate Jews. It's a pipe dream. It's a pipe dream that only a liberal Jew could have. If you ask my opinion, I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but there are plenty of self-hating Jews. I don't want. I don't even want Negroes liking me. Now, so am I hating the other so-called the so-called other races? Yeah, you know that's really another straw man argument. Simply because I tell the truth about Scripture doesn 't necessarily mean that I hate the other races i 'm just telling the truth about Scripture. What I feel about the other races don 't mean a thing doesn 't mean anything doesn 't mean anything on the grand, in the grand plan, in the grand scheme of things. What I think about the other races doesn 't matter what one bit. The only thing that matters is what Scripture says about the other races. That's the only thing that matters. Joseph November is creating that argument. He's creating that argument and putting it into my mouth. He's a straw man aficionado. Likewise, he consistently accuses me of espousing acts of violence against the other races. And that's a lie. That's a damnable lie. I have never advocated any act of violence as November claims that I do. He's a liar. He can't point to one of my papers or one of my podcasts that shows that I have advocated acts of violence against the other races. He can't point to one podcast or one paper. I challenge him. Or one forum post. Or one email. He can't do it. He's a liar. John 844. He can't tell the truth.
2: Shall I resume with Eli's trite?
0: Well, if you want to, go ahead.
2: In no way did I ever argue, as August Christ did with the Muslims, that whites and blacks should unify. In no way was I trying to convert non-whites to our religion. This is all distortion by the Finkaholics. My only purpose and appearance on a show hosted by blacks was to explain to them that we whites are not their oppressors. Fink and his crew of false accusers Utterly misrepresent the reason for my appearance on that show. Apparently trying to lessen the crime being committed against whites by blacks is universalism. If you read the essays of Bertrand Comberet, Dr. Wesley Swift, Arnold Kennedy, Howard B. Rand, Dan Gaiman, Willie Martin, and virtually all the others, hatred towards non-whites is either completely absent or negligible. CI has never been about hating the other races. It is only about loving our own race and our father Yahweh and his son Yeshua, but William Fink has raised the art of racial hatred to the level of dogma.
0: Well, well right, and we're going we're to hold up right there, right? First is Finkaholics, this Finkaholics label. I want to ask this. Is that a Christian appellation for Joseph November's critics? Fink and his crew of false accusers. Eli acts as if all of his critics are just mindless drones who simply follow me. And I've said many times in my own chat room that I don't want followers. I've banned people. And there are people here tonight that know it. I've banned people from my chat room because they told me they were my biggest followers. I don't want sycophants. I don't want followers. I want peers. Peers that could read the scripture and come to conclusions that that, From standing and being grounded in the truth that will inevitably, for the most part, line up with my own conclusions. That's what I want. I want peers. That's what the Christian should seek, is fellow workers and peers. As Paul of Tarsus said, I would not rule over your faith. I don't want followers. I've never wanted a follower and I don't compel anyone. My listeners can think for themselves and make their own decisions on how to pass judgment. From the day we split, handfuls of my listeners were criticizing Eli James and he was calling them thinkaholics. They weren't following me. Aaron Swartz was making videos about Eli James in order to criticize him. Aaron wasn't following me. Eli was blaming me for the videos. Aaron wrote Eli and said, hey, why are you giving credit for my work? I did that. That's me. Eli still blames me for the videos. Why? Aaron's a great guy, but what kind of traction is Eli going to get out of blaming Aaron for a video? Uh, So he'd rather blame me.
2: And here Eli is again making references to Dan Gaiman. He's already been caught in the act of falsely attributing statements to Dan Gaiman.
0: Well, now we're going to catch him in the act of falsely attributing teachings to Bertrand Comparé.
2: Well, Com- Comparé's dead, so I can't call him up like I was able to call up Dan Gaiman. Well, you know,
0: his paper, Gathering the Tares, is still online. It's at Israel Elect, It's at org. I'm sure it's probably at probably at, at a lot of other websites. Right.
2: Well, you know, Eli, or Joe, was trying to pull the same thing. He, he said, quote, Dan Gaiman has changed his position from what what he had written in the book, Do All Races Share in Salvation. And he explained he had a conversation with Dan Gaiman. So I called up Dan Gaiman later that night, asked him if he'd had a conversation with Eli James. He said, yes, I had a conversation with him. And I said, did you tell him you no longer believe what's written in your book, Do All Races Share in Salvation? Do you believe differently? And he said, we did not speak about that. I have not changed my view. I have never changed my view, and I stand by every word I've written in that book. And he said that, yes, he did have a conversation with Eli, but at no time did he tell Eli he has done a 180 on what he's written in the book. So Eli might claim, oh, 30 years ago I had a conversation with Comparé before he died, and he told me he doesn't believe that paper anymore. Well, we can't call Comparé and check that out.
0: Well, well, the only way we could gauge Bertrand Comparé are by the three or 400 podcasts that we have of Bertrand Comparé, and, and the papers that are made accurately, we would hope, from those podcasts. And I have those online at Christoginia.org. And Copperay said in gathering the tares that, however, as the time of the harvest approaches, so also is the end of this age near. We who study our Bibles know that this time is near at hand. In the harvest, the good seed and the bad seed, the children of the kingdom and the children of the wicked one, will be separated. Note that the first part of the harvest consists of this separation, for Yeshua said, gather ye first the tares, and bind them in bundles, and burn them. This takes place before the harvest of the wheat, the good seed. Gathering the tares of the bundles is a very clear and logical simile for gathering the children of the wicked one into groups or organizations. It serves very well as a means to separate and distinguish between the two families. Now, this is a short presentation. It's really not that long. But I'm going to skip ahead a little, because I don't really have time to publish the two... To, to recite the entire paper. However, Compré talks about the gathering of tares and they're being burned into fire. Now, Compré believed, much like Eli James, that the other races are the beast nations. And Compré goes on to say, after he explains that all the tares are going to be burned into fire, Compré goes on to say, this gathering of the individual tares among us is exactly parallel To the similar gathering of the beast nations in this same judgment. And he goes on to cite Matthew and the separation of the sheep and the goats and he's equating the beast nations with the goats who all get gathered and thrown into the fire. Bertrand Compere, gathering the tares, teaches the same thing about the other races in the return of Christ that Clifton Emeheiser and I teach. The same thing, gathering the tares. Eli James is a liar. He's a liar. He doesn't have Compare on his side. He doesn't have Damon on his side as you just as you just assured us. He doesn't have Compare on his side and it's in black and white. And it's on audio tape in Compare's own voice at Christogeneia.org.
2: Well, specifically, Eli claimed that Gaiman's writing, Gaiman wrote in the book, Do All Races Share in Salvation, that the Bible gives us no real clue as to where the other races came from and that the Bible is first and foremost a story of the creation of our people, the Adamite race, and that we can speculate and discuss where the other races came from, but there's no indication that Yahweh created them. And Eli put in writing that Dan Gaiman no longer believes that, and he had a conversation with Dan Gaiman and heard it straight from the horse's mouth. And I've spoken with Dan Gaiman about this again, and he's considering writing a public statement denouncing Eli's you know, false statements and putting words in his mouth. Well, well, I hope
0: Dan Gaiman does that for us, just to set the record straight, so that Eli James stops lying about Dan Gaiman supporting his position, and so that, I should say, Joseph November should stop lying about Bertrand Camperet as well. Because Bertrand Camperet clearly teaches here in his paper, Gathering the Tares, that the fate of the so-called beast nations is the same fate as the fate of the tares. And that's in black and white. Now, I'm going to get ahead of myself, because I really didn't want to include this until we addressed crumbs. But I'm going to support my position on the other races and the return of Christ and the fact that the other races are at some point in our future, by the will of God, not going to, to any longer exist. That's explicit in scripture. I'm going to read two scriptures from Jeremiah and one scripture from Obadiah. And I have a lot of other scriptures that prove this same thing It's not only these three, and the podcasts are already there on Christogenia. I've taught on this before. I taught on this in an open forum program I did a couple of years ago called Eight Witnesses Against Universalism. It's got thousands of downloads, probably way over 10,000 downloads. I taught on this in a program in my Revelation series, Chapter 19. That program's probably between Christogenia and Christ, right? That program's probably got 10,000 downloads or damn close to it. Jeremiah, chapter 30, verse 11. Yahweh says, the word of Yahweh says, For I am with thee, saith Yahweh, to save thee, speaking to the children of Israel, Jeremiah thirty eleven, Though I make a full end of all nations where I have scattered thee, yet will I not make a full end of thee, but I will correct thee in measure and will not leave thee altogether unpunished. I will make a full end of all nations where I have scattered thee. You tell me where the children of Israel have not been scattered, and I'll show you maybe somebody that might survive. The oncoming judgment of God. Jeremiah 46. In case you don't get it in Jeremiah 30, verse 11, let's read Jeremiah 46, verse 28. Fear thou not, O Jacob, my servant, saith Yahweh, for I am with thee, for I will make a full end of all the nations where I have driven thee. Well, you go back to Genesis 49 and see that the horns of Joseph will drive his people under the ends of the earth. That doesn't bode too well for any other peoples in the world. But I will make a full end of all nations, wherever I have driven thee, but I will not make a full end of thee, but correct thee in measure. Yet will I not leave thee wholly unpunished. Jeremiah 46:28. It's right in Scripture. What Bertrand Comppare said about the goat nations, the beast nations, it's right in Scripture. I'm not going to shrink from teaching the scripture. I'm not going to shrink from pointing this out because mainstream Christians might be a little embarrassed to hear it. I'm not going to shrink from pointing this out because it's not politically correct or because it's unpopular with British Israel acolytes or because it won't help me get on Republic Radio. Obadiah 115. Now this clown teaches Obadiah 118 all the time. But he doesn't pay a damn bit of attention to Obadiah 1.15 and 1.16. And I'm going to read them now. For the day of Yahweh is near upon all the heathen. Now that word is goyim, and it's plural, and it means nations. And nations in the Old Testament, they're not geographical entities. They are not geopolitical units. They are not governments. They are people groups. Nations, goyim, are people groups. They're not anything but people groups. For the day of Yahweh is near upon all the people groups, all the heathen, all the goyim. As thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Thy reward, remember the fall of mystery Babylon in Revelation chapter 18, return unto her double. Thy reward shall return upon thine own head. For as you have drunk upon my holy
1: mountain, this is the
0: other races drinking and eating upon the children of Israel on their dime. Yahweh's holy mountain is the children of Israel. It's not that hellhole over there in Palestine. It's the white Anglo-Saxon nations and their related peoples. For as you have drunk upon my holy mountain, so shall all the heathen drink continually. That's what they're doing right now. All the people groups shall drink continually. Yeah, they shall drink, and they shall swallow down, and they shall be as though they had not been. All the heathen shall be as though they had not been. If that's exterminationism, I'm an exterminationist, but so is Yahweh. So is my God. I think that's the end of that rant.
2: Absolutely. Well, you summed it up.
0: With that, we're going to end this program. We're going to get back to the lies of Joseph's November here next Saturday, Yahweh willing, at 8.10 p.m. Thank you for listening. Praise Yahweh, the God of Israel. I will be here on Friday with my presentation of Acts chapter 10 and Peter's vision. It wasn't about ham sandwiches. It was about uncircumcised Israelites. Good night.
2: Good night. Praise (laughs) Yahweh.
1: Yeah, yeah.